We've been looking into 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, talking about being cheerful givers. And uh, giving is a very important part of our Christian experience. And the text that we have chosen to define these two chapters is in chapter 9. It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God podcast. It is our hope that through these messages you are blessed, you are encouraged, you are uplifted. If you ever need us to pray for you, contact us at 789-3605. God bless you. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we thank you for your word. Tonight we just thank you for grace that's been given to us. How much you've given. We so much appreciate everything that you've provided for us. Lord, and we thank you for each one who is here tonight. And I just pray that your word would become spirit and life to each one who is here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Last Sunday night... We discovered the motivation of being a cheerful giver. It's all centered around what Jesus did for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 tells why we give. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, if you were ever going to have the privilege of receiving an offering at any time in a church, that would be an uh, incredible verse to read just before the offering because it tells us that giving is not motivated by pressure. It's not motivated by any kind of even expectation of return. It's motivated because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that's been extended to us in that gigantic step that he took from heaven to earth, from riches to poverty, so that for our sakes that we could become rich. You remember the occasion of the writing of these two chapters was an encouragement for the Corinthian church to give an offering. And that offering was to go to the uh, home church, the church in Jerusalem. And so today we're going to see how Paul continues to teach about giving in chapter 8. If we look at it, if if we look at chapter 8, we see three areas that this passage covers. The first one is, is he, he gives us the principle that we're to follow in giving. The principle that we're to follow in giving. Secondly, he tells us 
that there is a promise that we must fulfill, a promise that we must fulfill. And thirdly, he reveals that there is a practice that we must foster. So let's look at the first one, a principle to follow. And that principle is throughout the book of, of, of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, in chapter 8 and 9. In chapter 8 alone, just listen to one word that keeps occurring over and over again, and that's the word grace. In fact, you can't separate giving from grace because in the word grace, it can be translated both grace and gift, the same Greek word. Grace and gifts is the same word. Listen to what it says. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia. So the grace of God, even though they were in poverty, the grace of God had been bestowed upon them. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4, we would receive the gift, or we would receive, again, grace. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Then in verse 7, see that you abound in this grace also. Then in verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 19, and not only that, but who also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, again, uh, equal to grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and show your ready mind. So six times the word grace is used in connection with giving. Six times in this one chapter. Well, what does that hold for us? Why is that significant for us? Uh, the most common definition of grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. That is when people talk about grace, they say it's God's favor that he bestows upon us that we do not deserve. That is grace. Uh, but there's a much broader meaning of grace. And I think in that broader meaning of grace, we come to a conclusion that, that uh, uh, there is an outpouring of grace that God gives us for grace to be outpoured to others. So in this context, grace means actual activity that expresses the desire to bring good to people instead of evil, to bring health instead of sickness, to bring beauty instead of ugliness, to bring glory instead of punishment. This is particularly significant when we think about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse uh, 9 of chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 
It's a revelation of the activity of heaven that brings to us all that which is good, everything that is wonderful, and everything that is glorious. So what a wonderful word the word grace is. Everybody say it together. Grace. Praise God. So when we see that giving is centered in grace, it lists the whole act away from pressure, from duty, from obligation, and even, even legalism. It lifts us up to the highest atmosphere of giving. And it, the end result is to produce that which is lovely, to produce that which is beautiful, to produce that which is good, and to produce that which is glorious. So grace exalts giving to that high plane of the heavenly atmosphere. So there is no greater blessing in the Christian life than that of giving. It's even a greater blessing when people give like the Macedonians. It says they first gave themselves to the Lord. So when we talk about giving, it means more than just financial giving. It is a total giving of our sales to the Lord. The Macedonians, even though they were poor and uh, didn't have much, they gave above and beyond all expectation without any pressure at all. In fact, they were just so excited about giving, they couldn't wait for the offering to be taken so it could be uh, given to the church at Jerusalem. They were real, willingly and free, they, they willingly and freely gave because they understood grace. They understood grace. So what motivates us to give tonight anytime, where it's our time, whether it's our energy, whether it's our talents, or whether it's our finances, it is grace that motivates. We want that for people, and we want to make an investment that will bring beauty, and will bring blessing, and will bring glory to people, and that comes from giving. That comes from giving. Praise God. Then, secondly, he talks about a promise to be fulfilled. He said in verse 10 of chapter 8, And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness and uh, readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. You see what he's saying here. A year earlier, the church at Corinth did something that we do in mission services. They made a faith promise. Somehow the need was presented to them, and, and uh, they said we don't have to give right now but over the course of the year we're going to collect monies and and with that within this year we're going to give the church at jerusalem a great offering but a year went by and you know what happened there was no offering sent to jerusalem no offering sent to jerusalem 
They made a promise, but uh, uh, they hadn't fulfilled it. But Paul didn't chide them because, you see, giving is not legalism. He didn't even, he didn't even uh, uh, complain to them. He was just trying to encourage them by showing them what giving really is, and then he even praises them. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. So he urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Praise the Lord. So what he's saying, he said, you, you've been blessed. And there's this thing that you've promised to do, and, and I don't want to steal this blessing from you. I, don't, I want you to get the blessing of what giving uh, really provides. So he said, I want you to complete this grace, this grace, because you excelled in so many ways. You've excelled in faith. You've excelled in speech. You've excelled in knowledge. And you have done that in all diligence. Even their love, they had excelled. But he said, see that you excel in this grace also. Notice it's not, he's not saying giving. He's not saying giving the finances to, to go to Jerusalem. He's saying that excel in this grace. Excel in this grace. You see, in all of our lives, there comes a time when we need to perform what we promised. We need to perform what we have promised. And it was that time in Corinth they needed to perform what they had promised. You know, people make commitments to the Lord in a revival in special times of uh, seasons of blessing, in a time when the Spirit of God is falling and God is doing a mighty work, people make commitments. But when all it settles down and everything gets back to ordinary living, sometimes they forget and they just have a good intentions. They have still want to do what they promised to do, but in everyday life it becomes complicated and and they seem to forget or can't get to that promise that they have made. But uh, after a while, there has to be uh, a performance of the promise. It's where we finally get to the place we will do what the Lord has placed in our hearts to do. Uh, procrastination. Procrastination. Is, are there any procrastinators here today? Praise the Lord. A few, a few folks say they're procrastinators. If you see me on April the 15th, you know what I do on April the 15th? I fill out my taxes. <laughs> April the 15th. And uh, not before then. Every time it's always April the 15th. I'm a procrastinator when it comes to taxes. 
And a lot of us are procrastinators when it comes to making uh, or fulfilling and completing that that the Lord has laid on our hearts. There comes a time when we have to realize there's urgency. And we realize that it's important for us to do what God has bidding us to do because somehow it fits in his divine plan and his divine purpose. And, and uh, uh, we need to get going in doing what we promised the Lord that we would do. If you have anything tonight that the Lord has laid on your heart and you haven't gotten to yet, this would be a good night to say, I'm going to go ahead and do what the Lord has placed in my heart to do. You see, they had a uh, will in mind, and they had a readiness to give, but they hadn't got to it. It says in verse 12, For there is first a will in mind. It is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. I'm amazed, as Brother Will said a while ago, as the... Um, the giving uh, climate that's in this church, people who give. And uh, I've discovered something that when uh, our people have the opportunity to give, that they've been blessed in some way, they have gotten a, a, uh, uh, a check from their corporation or see Alaska, uh, it always shows up in our offerings, the tithing of those things because uh, uh, permanent fund dividend time, people give because they want to honor the Lord and um, uh, so I know that there's willingness and there's readiness and he said to the uh, people at Corinth, I know that you're willing but you need to have a readiness to give. He said now Understand this, you're not giving out of what you don't have, you're just giving out of what you do have. Now, there's some people that don't have a lot of energy. Uh, there's some people that are blessed with an exceeding amount of energy. They just seem like got the energizer, like the energizer bunny. They can go and go and go and go. Now that person that has a lot of energy, you know what? They're blessed so they can give more that takes energy. Right? Or if I, some people are just blessed with talents, with talents. They're gifted. They have so many talents. Well, they have to use their talents more than a person that is not so gifted because they've been blessed in that area. Some people are blessed financially and they have uh, been able to be a blessing financially and they want to uh, participate in that. So we give according to what we have. According to what we have. Now this takes the sting out of giving, doesn't it? So a lot of people think the Lord's demanding more than we can give. But he never demands more than we can give. In fact, he doesn't demand at all. It's to be it's freedom from, our, uh, uh, from the freedom and willingness of our own heart. We give out of what we have. Praise God. You remember back in the Old Testament, uh, 
uh, God asked Moses, said, Moses, what do you have? What's in your hand? And he said, a rod. That's all he had was a rod in his hand. And you know, that rod became a powerful tool for the glory of God and bringing about the deliverance from the children of Israel. He, he, God took what was in his hand and he made it a tool of blessing. Praise God. So giving is not a legalistic matter. It is from a heart of thanksgiving and praise. If it's legalistic, you can't be a cheerful giver. If it's out of obligation, you can't be a cheerful giver. If it's out of sense of duty, you can't be a cheerful giver because you just have, it's, it's like that you're under the load of doing it. But when you are a cheerful giver, you understand the basis on which you are given, and that is grace. That is grace. You are given because you know it's going to produce fruit, it's going to produce beauty, and produce glory, and produce help in people's lives. Praise God, we give because of grace. He said giving is a partnership. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13 through 15, For I do not mean that others should be eased in you burden, but by an equality, now, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, and their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who, has, who, he who, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who has gathered little has no lack. What he's saying in this passage is that the way God's economy works is that we have a church planting going on in Guyana. And we as a church are sending funds to there to help with that work. The same time that we're sending funds to that ministry, and not only those funds, but we send monies out every month to our state office and our general office for outreach in Alaska and in the world. And so uh, we, we give. We give as a church. We help and we supply and we bless people out of this church. But then we had this need, that we had this flood that cost us $12,000 to repair. And you know, we were given $6,000 of that $12,000 from the churches of God in Alaska. Isn't that something? We have given, and then they gave. We gave, and then they gave. We gave and then we received. And that's God's plan. Uh, that's God's plan that as uh, we give, we give, and there is blessings in our giving, but comes a time that we need help ourselves. We need some blessing ourselves. We need somebody that, uh, uh, to help us during our time of need. And so the Lord opens up for you to be given to. And he blesses you in that way. So he said that God evens everything out. He, we, he, uh, he uh, 
at Jerusalem, they had need, and so the churches were helping Jerusalem. And there maybe would be a time in days to come when Jerusalem would help Corbin. Amen. Just the way God spreads it around and helps. So he said, it's, it's so that there will be no lack, that there would be equality. In other words, that uh, it's a redistribution of, of uh, wherever the need is, wherever the need is. Then, thirdly, he said, there's a practice we must foster practice that we must foster. He said, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. In verse 19, and not only that, but who also has who also, I'll get it here in a minute, who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us uh, with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself to show you ready, uh, your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us, providing honorable things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. And we have sent them with our brother, or sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. What is he saying in these verses? He's saying that I want you to know giving has to be with integrity. It has to be uh, seen how important, how the funds are handled. He said, I want you to be assured that by sending Titus and another brother with him, that they are going to have the responsibility of taking care of those funds and carrying them to the church in Jerusalem. And he said, I just wanted you to know they're okay. That they are men of integrity. They are faithful men that will assure that what you have given will be used the way that it is to be used. So that's the pattern. We don't give uh, uh, just because uh, we know that it will be taken care of, right? But that is something we have to consider. Some people give mindlessly. In other words, they give to something out there and they don't know where it's going to go and how it's going to be used. And let me tell you, when you give to this local church, I guarantee you get more blessing out of the gift that you give to a local church than just about any other place that you can give it because the local church is on the forefront of blessing locally and worldwide and uh, uh, statewide and 
and it just goes all over the place, and it's done with integrity, done with integrity. So here it's saying that giving is to be handled like a sacred trust, and it, be, it needs to be handled like that. So in this passage in chapter 8, we've discovered that giving is exalted the atmosphere of heavenly grace. It is on this platform that Paul tactfully, graciously, and encouraged giving. Aren't you glad tonight that you are a giver? Amen. Praise God. You're not stingy. You don't withhold. You give. You give. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people that are here tonight that are just overwhelmed with giving, with giving. You've been a blessing, you've been a blessing. And it's all because you've discovered grace. You've discovered grace. Near Jerusalem and in Israel, there are two seas fed by the same river the River Jordan. The River Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee. And then the River Jordan flows out of the Sea of Galilee. If you would go to the Sea of Galilee, it's like an oasis. There's fish in the Sea of Galilee. There's other uh, wildlife that's uh, supplied by the Sea of Galilee. If you go to the shore, there's grass by the Sea of Galilee. There are trees by the Sea of Galilee. It's a delightful place to be, and it's supplied. The water comes from a flowing river, the River Jordan. It goes into the Sea of Galilee, and it comes out of the Sea of Galilee. But then there's another sea called the Dead Sea. And it's the same river, the same water that supplies the Sea of Galilee, the same Jordan River that supplies the Dead Sea with its water. You know the difference? It flows into the Dead Sea, but it never flows out. All the water is hoarded there in that See, and because of that, there's no grass, there's no trees, there's no fish, there's no other wildlife around the Dead Sea because it didn't, it doesn't flow out. It ends right there. Now we have to choose if we're going to be a Sea of Galilee or a Dead Sea. A Sea of Galilee or a Dead Sea? Well, how can we become a Sea of Galilee? It's when God pours blessings into us. It enables us to pour blessings out. And as long as you keep it pouring out, it will keep pouring in. Amen. Praise God. If That's the principle, isn't it? That's how grace operates. How God blesses and supplies 
Then, but if you want to get stagnant and stale and everything die out, just quit flowing out. Then everything will grow stagnant, stale, and dead when we fail to give out. So, the seas teach us tonight that it's when it comes to us, it flows through us and out from us that brings life and brings beauty and brings glory and brings blessings to people. But if we try to stop it and hold it off, then it only produces deadness. deadness. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for each one who has come. Lord, I thank you that I'm speaking to a group of people who are givers. Lord, people who give themselves first to you. And they have given uh, of their energy and their time and their efforts. They have been a blessing financially to so many because they are givers. And I pray tonight that as we have seen this word, they will understand and know how precious it is you, you place giving in a heavenly realm. And that is grace, grace. You said it is the act and the distribution, the activity that brings beauty and glory and honor and provision to people. We thank you tonight, Lord, and we just pray that everyone in this congregation will be touched and blessed and ministered to as we begin and continue uh, to be people who give. I just praise you, Lord, for what you've given us so we can give and the blessings you provided so we can become a source of blessing. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information about the Glacier Valley Church of God, visit our website at glaciervalleycog.org. If you're in need of prayer, contact us, 789-3605.